Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Here's your host, Jacob Wells. Welcome to Latte with the Lawyer. I'm your host, Jacob Wells, and I'm really excited today because we have a great episode for you. We're going to be talking with Jordan Bledsoe about his work with business litigation at Stoll Reeves. So here's our guest, Jordan Bledsoe. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jacob. Glad to be here. Great. And uh, thanks so much for spending some of your time with us today. Uh, before we get into the episode, can you give us a um, a bit of an overview of who you are for uh, those of our viewers who don't know? Sure. Uh, I practice commercial litigation in Salt Lake City, as you said, a firm called Stoll Reeves. And Stoll Reeves is a firm with 350 plus attorneys and has offices throughout the Pacific Northwest, primarily. Uh, we have one back in DC, a small office, and then one in uh, Minneapolis. Um, and uh, I'm a six-year associate right now, so on the brink of partnership, uh, hopefully nice. in the next few years, uh, I make partners. Um, so I'm still in the busy, really busy time. Hopefully it lightens up in the next few years, but right now it's it's a little bit of a grind. I have four kids, um, married and have four kids, three girls and a boy, and so they keep me busy. That and work keeps me quite busy. Yeah, that actually, that, that that's amazing. Congrats on the nice big family. I want to ask you, uh, as like such a busy guy who's, you know, trying to make partner and you've got all those kids running around since the show is called Latte with the Lawyer, what is your morning drink of choice that like gets you caffeinated and ready for the day to deal with all that? Uh, that's a good question. So I usually ex exercise every morning. Uh, that gets you. me out of bed, gets me going, helps my stress levels. And so I'll usually wake up uh, get some pre-workout uh, in my system and then hit the gym pretty early in the morning and then uh, get home and start working. So pre-workout, I'd have to say, is my drink of choice. <laughs> What's your pre-workout of choice? C4 or uh, I don't even know any other brand. I'd, I'd actually have to look it up on Amazon. So the, <laughs> the way I chose it, I went to this lab door place where they test all the pre-workouts and it was supposed to be the best one and, and the most effective and have good ingredients. Hmm. Uh, but I can't remember the name of it. I'd have to look it up. Um, anyway, it works pretty well. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, so back on to the discussion of law. So uh, take me all the way back. Um, not so far back, I guess. But when you got started, when you were in college, when you're thinking of going into law, uh, what attracted you to that industry in particular? Well, initially, I was going to be a dentist uh, going into college. That was my plan. And I thought, you have a great life, uh, work-life balance. You, a lot of dentists work four days a week. You make mm -hmm. good money. Uh, and it seemed like something I, I'd really like. And so my freshman year of college, I took some courses that set me on that path. And I thought, well, I better shadow some dentists to see what this is like. And so I started doing that and realized pretty immediately I could never do this. And part of it is the dentist can't really talk with their patients uh, because they're working on their mouse whole time. And I realized quickly, it's, it, this isn't very intellectually stimulating. And that's something that I knew that I needed. Uh, it's something that was challenging me on a daily basis. And I thought 
as a dentist, it's you can work with your hands, but I don't, uh, and there may be some challenges. Um, but for me, I thought I need something that's intellectually challenging on a, on a daily basis. And so I paused and said, okay, not doing dentistry, what should I do? And I thought, well, what, what are my strengths? What do I enjoy doing? And I liked reading, I liked writing. I really enjoyed my English classes. And so I thought, well, let me look into law. I think I would enjoy that. And part of it is I wanted to make a good living and be able to, to provide for a family. I, I would be lying if I didn't say that was a big part of it. But also I thought, I think this would be challenging. It's something I'd get up every morning and like doing. And so that's, I started heading down that path and things kind of fell into place. And I took some pre-law courses and everything that I saw made me think, yeah, I would like this. And now that I'm, you know, six years into it and after three years of law school, I think I made the right choice because I, I do like what I do. I don't always love the billable hours and the demands on my time, but it's a great profession. It is challenging. It's different every day. And uh, keeps me on my toes. And, and that's something that gets me up in the morning. Um, so I think it is a really good fit for me. Great. And um, in terms of specifically business litigation, how did you come across that? What's the story there? Uh, I knew that I wanted to work at a top law firm in Salt Lake City doing commercial litigation, big business disputes. I wasn't ever really interested in criminal law or family law or where I think where you have emotions running high, I more wanted to do big business disputes that were high level, a lot on the line for these companies. Um, and so when I was interviewing with law firms, that was my aim of, you know, what are the top business litigation law firms? And Stollery's was one of them. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get an offer. And so I took, took it and ran with it. And <clears throat> for me is I, I've always been interested in business and, uh, I had a business in college that I ran. And so I thought, I, I want to be doing business law and, and business disputes. And so that's why I gravitated toward that. And litigation, I just wanted to be in the courtroom. I, I want, wanted to be on my toes, wanted to be, you know, arguing with other sides. I'm, I'm pretty competitive. I've always been very into sports. And yeah. so the competitive aspect of litigation uh, was really appealing to me. And I still like that aspect. I like the aspect of thinking, how can I outwit the other side? Or how can I make the best arguments to convince this judge that he should uh, adopt our position? So that's an, ex an exciting aspect of litigation, and in particular, complex commercial litigation. Yeah, for sure. I think you touched on a few things there that have come up in a number of conversations, one being uh, your affinity for sports. I think uh, I spoke to a couple of people, actually, that their background in sports helped them become a successful lawyer, whether it be uh, the teamwork or the competitiveness that you mentioned. Uh, these are things that come up. And um, also just your interest in business early on. I think that's really interesting and really helpful because a lot of lawyers don't really think about law as a business so much. And they just kind of go about it very straightforward. Whereas I feel like that business side of things uh, can help you be a better lawyer. Do you think uh, there's anything um, in terms of your background, in terms of um, your interest in business that has like helped you be a successful lawyer? Yeah, I absolutely. And I think you're right about uh, thinking about business in that way. In college, I ran a window cleaning business with uh, me and a few of my buddies. And 
that was in 2008 and gas prices were high. The market wasn't doing great. And so we had to find a way to get business, even though a lot of people didn't want to spend money. And so for us, it was creative ways of finding new customers, uh, knocking on doors, just giving people discounts, whatever it may be, um, was just exciting to me to try to find what were then clients and obviously a very different type of client back then. But that spilled over into my current practice of, hey, what are creative ways to find new clients? Uh, what are creative ways to market myself? And so uh, those lessons I learned in, in running that business in college have spilled over of just finding creative ways to, to market yourself and, and let people know uh, what you're doing. And one, one thing I will say, the best marketing tool we had for our window cleaning business was doing a really good job neighbors would tell their neighbors, hey, these guys do a really great job, take their time. Uh, and then we get referral after referral. And I think the same way it goes for law. Uh, I've learned is if you can do really quality work and be a really great attorney, word of mouth is one of the best ways to market. So there is some, I, I have found some takeaways from uh, you know, the business lessons I learned in college. Yeah, I think uh, that's really interesting. I think that it's great that you're figuring that that out so early on because there's people that are, you know, way more senior in their career that don't realize that and they're not even like reaching the tip of the surface. Um, is there any experience, any case that you worked on that um, you have like a fond memory of that was really exciting case to be involved with? Yeah, can I tell you too? Is that okay? Yeah, go. Yeah, of course. Okay. So the first one is when I was a young attorney and a, a senior partner and I worked on this case, which it was an arbitration. Um, and for those of you who don't know what arbitration is, it's not in a public court. It's, it's a private arbitrator or a private judge who determines a dispute. And typically there's no right of appeal. And so the decision you get from the arbitrator is binding and final on the parties. Um, and in this case, there was these three partners who had started this real estate company. And one of the partners was assigned this deal out in Utah to buy this land. And the partnership thought that it could buy the land and then immediately have the Utah Department of Transportation buy it because they believed that there was going to be a highway going through the land and that they could sell it for quite a bit more than they bought it for. And the partner who was assigned to go buy the land and then sell to UDOT went back to his partners and said, hey, the deal fell through. Uh, you know, we didn't get it. Sorry. Comes, come, turns out that he actually had bought it with one of his own companies and then sold it to UDOT without telling his partners and made uh, a great profit from it. And he had done other dishonest things that really came to light uh, months down the road. And in the arbitration, it was interesting because this guy was lying through his teeth about everything. And he was very deceitful. And you really couldn't tell. He was a great liar maybe because he had been doing that his whole life. Yeah. And the senior partner I was with did a great job cross-examining him, uh, you know, making him look silly. And, and we could tell that he was lying. But you always get nervous about the arbitrator. Hey, is the arbitrator seeing the same things we're seeing? Is he seeing the testimony the same way we are? And the guy, the, the partner who our clients were, were suing was just a slimy guy. And so you really want to justice done because our clients had lost out on all this money. 
And so we go through the, the multi-day arbitration and then a few weeks later get the decision and the arbitrator just hammered this guy and awarded us punitive damages and everything we had asked for. And I just loved it because it was justice served. It felt like, all right, justice was done here. The, the arbitrator did a great job of getting down to the bottom of what really happened and realizing this person had lied. And that was very young in my career. And mm. I, I absolutely loved it because I thought you really can do great things in the law and, and justice does prevail sometimes uh, yeah. I've learned, yeah. but uh, I, I just thought that's why I like doing what I do because there are disputes out there where people are being cheated or, or they are injured and you want them to get justice and justice was served in this case. And yeah, absolutely. It was, yeah. it was great. All right. Can I tell you about one other? Yeah. And this course. one was out of my, out of my wheelhouse, but for those thinking about going to law school and practicing law, I think there are opportunities to help people that may, may not be just flow naturally from your practice. And, and that's one thing practicing law, I thought I, I will be able to help some people. So there were the, this fa- there was this family traveling to Colorado to a hockey tournament and a semi-truck drive was a two lane highway and a semi-truck driver. Uh, we're not sure exactly what happened, but going around a corner, he went into the, the, the other oncoming traffic lane mm. and hit this family head on going full speed Jeez. and killed the two parents immediately. And these two kids in, in the backseat were lifelighted to a local hospital and they didn't have any close relatives. And so the hospital neighbor was caring for them and uh, they reached out to our firm to see if we could, we could help these kids in some way. And I was assigned responsibility uh, for the case and help these kids um, be adopted by uh, this neighbor family. And, and it just ended up being a really great situation where these kids were in a wonderful home with the wonderful family and this, these, this uh, lady who was just, a, just amazing to take these two children into her home. Um, and then we also represented the children uh, in an action against the trucking company and ended up getting a very favorable result for them. And it, it was just a, a really feel good thing to do yeah. for these kids to, to help them in this, to be, to be adopted and, and then helping them in, in this action against this trucking company and doing it on, on, on a steep discount because we really just were concerned about helping them. And, and it just worked out really well. And it, that was one of those times where I thought, what a great career to be in where you can help people like that uh, and have these opportunities. And so the law, practicing law can be really rewarding. There are times where you kind of feel like you're going through the motions and, yeah. and you're, it's just business disputes, but there are, there's a lot of good that you can do in the law. And so that's one of, that's a fond memory that I have. Yeah. I'm curious, like how often you get cases that are really about helping people like that, that are extremely meaningful to you and how often it's just run of the mill, like you were saying, just going through the motions, like what percentage would you say for each? I'd say the percentage is very, very, very low, uh, very low, but when they do come along, they are meaningful. And I think I've been able to help people on pro bono matters, um, whether it's family members who need help or, you know, friends who need help. 
I've been able to do some of that, but in terms of cases like the one I just explained, I think those are very rare. And so when they do come along, it, it means that much more. Yeah. Um, something that I'm curious to ask you about, since you have a different perspective than um, most of the lawyers that I've interviewed since they're much older and you're probably more in touch with technology um, and you know new tools that are available within the legal industry, Curious where you see the industry headed in the future, um, whether it be AI or any other technology that can help, uh, you know, accelerate the business and make it more efficient. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I'm really looking forward to see how the legal industry adapts to to technology, especially with document review. I mean, Mm -hmm. document review can be so tedious and time-consuming. And we're already starting to see some of these technologies to assist. You know, AI is assisting with with document review to some extent, but it'll be interesting to see how that that develops. I I would not be surprised if it gets to a point where it's primarily AI uh, doing these reviews um, to to gather the universe of documents relevant to the case. Then, of course, I think you'll have to have human eyes on it, reviewing it and digesting the information. But mm-hmm. I do think there is a lot of room for growth with the AI in, in the legal industry. Another area that I, I don't think AI is as common, but I'll be interested to see how it develops, is legal research. With Westlaw and these other resources, you have such a large universe of resources that, especially as a young attorney researching, it can be completely overwhelming, uh, mm-hmm. the amount of precedent there is. And so it'll be very interesting to see um, if AI can come into the legal research world and and help make legal research more efficient to find the best cases, the best resources and make it more sophisticated. So in my view, those are the two areas where I can really see AI um, helping lawyers take leaps and bounds um, in being efficient. Cool. I'm a, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, where things go in the future. But uh, thanks so much for uh, taking this time. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, if anybody is curious to, you know, find you on the internet, they were like inspired by this conversation. Um, how is the best? Wh- wh- where where is the best way to uh, reach you? Uh, you can just Google me, Jordan Bledsoe, and I'm the first name that shows up. So it's as simple as that. Sweet. Well, thank you so much, Jordan. Really appreciate your time. Uh, This has been Jacob Wells for Latte with a Lawyer. And I want to thank Jordan Bledsoe of Steel Reeves for joining us today. And uh, thanks to our sponsor, Motion Track, uh, without a K, that uses artificial intelligence for mediations and uh, trials um, to quickly gather focus group research and data. So thank you so much and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Jacob.